on death by thomas sturge moore read for librivox.org by arden june third on death why question what my thoughts of death may be behold tis autumn in yon poplar mass whose green ripples to silver breezily dangle pale yellow leaves like lemons large and lo beyond there what has come to pass suave haze and sunshine from its utmost marge have taken london to their mighty keeping which self-forgetful smiles in glory sleeping and here has she flown down whom children charge fly away home and busily is creeping a scurrying carnelian on my sleeve o lady bird be gone we men forebode stay thou wilt ne'er believe nor spoil glad hours whilst yet their sands run on self-questioned ignorance yields no reply and thus there grows an aching in our ear which stir of insect wings can magnify and hear whole flights of angels o'er their vans nothing is silent when the heart will hear all echoes answers yet the thought is man's not a new thought brings not new knowledge never breaks on the silence where his brain dwells ever nor peoples that vast night the mind's eye scans nor can prized beauties from what pains love sever wise heartless lady bird hear thou thy home is burnt thy children flown yet be not less industrious to roam the infant's hand who makes such harsh things known when to the mightiest man death did draw near he shut himself within his bathing hall and lent to his great admiral his ear who told the voyage on the indian main the first by grecian captains dared that all the glamour of unconquered seas might reign over the greatest conqueror's spirit failing by the bass side he picturing them sailing was as he had been in his youth again conversed of conquest nigh as when unailing and pleased his captains yet grew worse once more soon in a deep trance sank his anxious macedonians at the door then would not be gainsaid but rank by rank in single file were ushered past his bed his indian and egyptian veterans past mute were satisfied he was not dead on arm they passed and many a tear let fall man he had one more than had erst been man's till each owned him the embodied soul of all and lo they saw him vanquished helpless dying so childishly their hearts were in them crying he no more moved nor for one friend did call yet two days lay as all had seen him lying then on the tenth day of his fever on the twenty-eighth of june died and from what vast schemes the life was gone which up and down far lands like wrecks lay strewn his end was beautiful though from vile cause a surfeit at a feast his fever came alaric's grave likewise commands applause though he sacked rome and italy trod under his captives by those careful of his fame were forced to turn calabrian torrents thunder and in the dry bed delve a sepulchre and house his trophies and his ashes there but when the stream which their hard toil did sunder resumed his haughty course then all they were slaughtered in thousands on his rocky shores that what they knew might be kept by their lips as by his thunderous roars blank bellow secret to eternity the morning after goethe's death i yearned to look upon his well-known form once more 
So writes that friend who to his house returned. Stretched on his back he seemed to sleep, while fraught with peace. Profound security reigned o'er his mien, that grand brow still might harbor thought. By one white sheet the naked form was hidden. Large lumps of ice lay round it, then, unbidden, his man the linen from the body caught, and laid bare what since eighty years was hidden. I was astounded, so magnificent, the limbs, the breast's broad slant, was arched and powerful, the arms and thighs unspent, and muscular, the feet were elegant. Nowhere was any trace of fat, and none, of leanness or decay, a perfect man, and all his beauty lay before me, one moment, enraptured at the sight, might I forget that blood therein no longer ran, and on his breast my thoughtless hand might lie, ere me to horror stillness could awaken. But then I turned away, by sobs rude shaken, and gave free course to tears. Ah, wrought so high, we are revered or cherished from us taken. By eloquent grief's passion wrapped, may deem that beauty finds in death, merest defeat, yet sometimes tombs will seem to echo angel voices, hoard swung censor's breath. Tis known how on her bridal morn one died, greatly beloved, most beautiful and young. She lay there on the white quilt in their pride. Flowers were strewn, fresh opened, scented, glowing. Purple anemones together flung, with crimson pheasant eyes, one hand unknowing. A pressed green mignonette, the other fern, embowered, near forget-me-nots did yearn, neath poppies crushed, like mimic sconces blowing. Orange set her brow round with lamps to burn, while stricken, her poor bridegroom, hour by hour, tear-blind, stared at her face. Yet calmed by beauty, awed by sovereign power, one could have thanked death, though one dared not praise. Such scenes concern but us who linger here. What their own death was to themselves, none knows. Heard they are wailing as the insect's ear, lists to the children's chant, a mere vague sound. While calmly she, since life within her glows, is on her present occupation bound. Though all death's dreaded pain and hope for glory, be nursed of us as children hug a story. E'en croon one are the beetle they have found. Fair lie old snows upon the mountain's hoary. Imagination must teach us to die, must age and death enhance, and give to both a value clear and high, or fail and leave us to blank ignorance. End of poem. This recording is in the public domain.